Are we ready for this? All right, so uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, if you have been here for um, any other Easter, in, in, uh, in any time, whatever, uh, you, you knew or you know that we were going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because I believe that this is one of the best Easter passages. Um, because if we look at 1 Corinthians 15 and we really understand uh, the, the context of what's going on, we can relate to uh, what the author is saying. Because in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, uh, this is written, the Apostle Paul writes this letter uh, to this church. who has they, They've got some, some things wrong in the church. Uh, their, their church isn't perfect. Like our opening welcome video, it says that our church isn't perfect. We are definitely not perfect. And, and I would tell you, if you're online and you're looking to, to figure out um, if, uh, you know, oh, do I want to go to that church? Is that church right for me? If you're online and you're looking for a perfect church and you find it, don't go there because you'll mess it up. All right, I mean, there's no such thing as a perfect church. And, and what we have here in, in 1 Corinthians, the, the, the book of, of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, we have Paul writing to this church that has, they have gone wild. And actually, what I, I love about chapter 15 here is there's been a lot of instruction. This is how you need to do this, and this is how you need to do this, and you need to fix this because you flubbed this one all up. Some of you are, are getting sick, and some of you are dying because of this. Now, he says all of these instructions, and he gets to chapter uh, 15, and he says, but there's something of first importance. We might have all of the instructions, and that's what, in, in the church world, people think like, all right, I got to have this in line, and this in line, and this in line, and then I can go and, you know, I can serve God. Well, the fact of the matter is, it, we have to have what is of first importance, which Paul's going to talk about today, we're going to talk about. We have to have that in the center, and if that is in the center, all these other things, they tend to work out. Uh, we, we are uh, here, I'm, I'm going to, as, as Kurt, Kurt ripped the guts out of uh, 15, I mean in a good way, like he, he ripped the center out of, uh, out of uh, chapter 15 in the call to worship. And uh, I'm, I'm going on the front end and on the back end uh, of uh, what he has said, um, because I, I want to introduce us and have us recognize what is being said in the front, the power of God, and then I want us to see the promise of God um, at the end of the, the chapter. Uh, so we are currently in a series uh, that we've called uh, Kingdom Come. And uh, today's the second week, and it, it ends next week with uh, Brother Kurt is going to bring the, the message. I think you're in Acts chapter 1, right? right yeah, Acts chapter 1 he's going to be in. Um, so what, what I want to do is I want us to, to get back into this mindset of the kingdom and what the kingdom of God is, because I believe that as we talk about the kingdom of God and we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're going to see how um, there's a, a, a connection that is there. Um, but I want us to, to get back in the mindset of what the kingdom of God is. And if you weren't with us last week or you're just tuning in for the first time online, uh, we have defined the, the, the kingdom of God very simply. So the kingdom of God is the kingly rule of God in the lives of people and nations. The kingly rule of God in the lives of people and nations. This is important because some people think, well, the kingdom of God is a place. Um, not yet. 
One day the kingdom of God will be a physical place, but right now it is the, the, the rule of God in His people and the rule of God in nations where uh, they, they, they serve and, and acknowledge Him. Um, and it all begins with the ministry of Jesus. Uh, last week, we really focused hard in on this in, in Mark chapter 1. You don't have to turn there. But in Mark chapter 1, Jesus says, uh, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus says, The kingdom is here. And here's what you've got to do. You've got to repent and believe in the, the, the gospel. So this is the, the, the way in which we get into the kingdom of God. And as we get into the, the, the kingdom of God, there's things that happen once we're in the kingdom of God. Uh, the biggest thing that happens is the Holy Spirit of God comes to, to dwell inside of us and, and live inside of us. But what we have to understand is those who make up the kingdom of God, and this is important, this is why I want to make sure there's a clear gospel presentation today for everyone in here, everyone online, because too often what we think or what we have been told is, you just be a good person and you'll get into heaven. I, I, I'll tell you there's one thing wrong with that. That doesn't say that in the Bible. God is very, very, very clear on how uh, we are to come into the kingdom of God. It's not where some can get in and some cannot. No, the, 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 the offering is for all. For God so loved the whole world that He gave His only Son, Right? So understanding the offering is out there, but there is a narrow way to get into the kingdom of God. It's not a bunch of rules and a bunch of regulations. It's repenting and believing in the gospel. It's believing in what Jesus has done. So we understand that the kingdom of God is made up by those who have repented and believe in the gospel. Now that's not a one-time thing, that's a continuous thing. And some might not see the importance and I'm not saying maybe it's not anybody in here, maybe it's somebody online or whatever, uh, but some might not see the importance of what does, what does really the kingdom of God have anything to do with my job? You know, I go to work and I work with a bunch of slobs and they do this and whatever. And what does the kingdom of God really have to do there? Or, you know, what does the kingdom of God have to do with me going to, 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 to school or to I, I stay at home and work from home? What, what does the kingdom of God really have to do with that? Well, I would, I would say if you don't understand the need to be a part of the kingdom of God, you really don't understand the resurrection of Christ. And I want to help, I want to help us understand, better understand that today because if we are going to um, want to dwell with God for eternity, when we are resurrected, the, the, the Bible is clear that everyone is going to be resurrected. It says that the, the, the righteous and the wicked will be resurrected. Some to eternal life uh, with Christ in glory. Some to eternal uh, um, damnation in the lake of fire uh, apart from uh, God. In a place that we do call hell. It is a real place. Just as heaven is, so is hell. But understand that we all will be raised, but if we don't um, look and believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're, we're not going to be a part of the kingdom of God, and we're not going to, to, to be able to enjoy Him forever. I love how everything pivots on the resurrection. Like, like Kurt said in the, the verses there in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, that if it weren't for the resurrection, we ain't got nothing. 
And I know that that's my loose interpretation. We ain't got nothing. But I think you understand what it says. We are to be pitied. So understanding the resurrection and the importance of the resurrection makes all the difference if we're going to talk kingdom language. I love this quote from uh, Tim Keller. Some of you know who Tim Keller is. Some of you don't. Uh, but he's, a, he's one of those big, brainy, smart guys that uh, writes stuff and studies the Bible and says really important things like this. I'll read it. If Jesus rose from the dead, and some of you have heard me read this before, yes, I, I, but I love this quote. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. Let me pause for a second. And this is like absolute truth. This is truth. Some people, oh, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Yes, there is. If you don't believe in absolute truth, run as fast as you can into that wall. I will absolutely guarantee you will stop. That's absolute truth. And I will absolutely guarantee we will all laugh at you. We'll call the, the paramedics or whatever, but it will be after we have posted on YouTube, right? But understand, there is absolute truth. And this is what, what Tim is saying. Tim Keller is saying here, like, okay, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. You, you, you see that? Like, if Jesus rose from the dead, it doesn't matter if you like his teaching or not. You have to accept everything he says because if he rose from the dead, he, can't, he has the power to, to overcome the greatest thing in all of human history, right? If he rose from the dead, and I was with, uh, with my one, who's your one, remember? We're not going to go past the who's your one series or the who's your one campaign. I was with my one, and I, and I said, uh, hey, do you have any questions about the Bible? Oh, and by the way, my one was here in church last week, which was awesome. He's supposed to be here today, uh, so we're working. Uh, but, uh, and I'm, I don't say it to brag, I'm helping to encourage us all. Uh, but I was with my one, and he's like, you know, I've got questions about the miracles that, that, that Jesus did in the Bible and everything. And I said, I, I get that. Some are hard. Like, how did he walk on water? Um, how did he, you know, feed the 5,000? How did he? I, well, before we try to understand all of that, I, I, just, I, I told him, like, let's look at one, one miracle. Let's look at his resurrection. Because if we look at the, the greatest miracle that, that had ever, has ever taken place, and we believe that to be true, then we can accept the truths of the other miracles. That's why I believe that everything is pivotal on the resurrection, not only our salvation, but I believe our sanctification as well, how we understand what the Bible says. So when we're looking at this and we see quotes like what Tim Keller says, like you, it's not whether you get to, you don't get to pick or choose whether you like Jesus' teaching or not. You just have to answer one question. Did he rise from the dead or did he not? If he didn't rise from the dead, you don't, then don't worry about that. But if he did rise from the dead, then we do need to heed his uh, instruction and his commands and what, the way in which he has set forth uh, for us. Today, when we get, we're looking here at, at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to look at the power and the promise of the resurrection. That's a, the title of today's sermon, The Power and the Promise of the Resurrection. Because I, I believe that um, if we don't understand 
what the resurrection is, the power of it. And when, I, when I'm saying that you don't understand what the resurrection is, or we don't have, I'm not just saying that you don't understand how, that Jesus rose and he walked out of the tomb and everything. I, I, I'm, I, I'm guessing that you understand the, 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 the literary terms and like the, the story. Like on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead and he went out of the tomb. All right. I, I believe that you you know you've heard that, and, and you can comprehend what is being said on on the, uh, a surface level. And some would say, "Well, that's just a good story." Okay, but I want to go deeper into what the resurrection means because in the resurrection we do see the power of God and we see the promise of God uh, take place. Our big idea today is this: it'll come up on the screen. The importance of the resurrection to the kingdom of God. Pretty simple. You know me; I like to keep things simple. Because I, I, uh, I believe this, and when we look at this, without the resurrection, there is no kingdom. I, I know, well, wait a second, God was in the... No, 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 the whole Old Testament was building up to... It was all part of God's plan. The Old Testament even, even uh, prophesies about the suffering servant, how he will uh, die and how he will rise again. Without the resurrection, we have no kingdom. We can't have uh, lines in the, uh, the New Testament where Jesus is praying and say, your kingdom come, your will be done, if the resurrection never took place. So I, I put here, and I think that this is just some, some things to think about. No, no, no resurrection, no king. No resurrection, no savior. No resurrection, no salvation. No resurrection, no hope. And I don't think that we look at today and, well, dang it, Lee, I thought we were supposed to be celebrating Easter. We are. We are celebrating Easter. I'm telling us why we're celebrating Easter. Because of the resurrection, we have hope. I love what the great theologian Phil Robertson said when he was talking about this. Anybody know who Phil Robertson is? Doug Dynasty guy. He was talking, I heard him talking about an encounter he had with somebody. And he says, uh, you know, we all have a, this problem. You know, we're not getting out of here alive. Jesus is the only way in which we're going to get out of here, out of this whole thing alive. And that is true because of the resurrection. It is true because of the power of, of God. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's look. I've broken this up into two sections. We're going to go 1 through 11. And that's going to be God's power. And then we're going to go through uh, verse 50 through 58. And we're going to talk about God's promise. Here's a cool side note. Um, I told the guys this earlier, but uh, Scott and I were talking. Pastor Scott uh, from CBC, you know, he's, you know, my, as my daughters call him, my BFF, uh, which he, he is. He's, he's my best friend outside of, outside of my wife. Um, but uh, we were talking on Friday. We did a little thing together and, and uh we always say, hey, what are you preaching on? What are you preaching on? We, well, I asked him. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. I said, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I'm going to bookend it. I'm going to go you know, the front part of it and then the back part of it. Exactly. That's why I said, like, eh, that's exactly what I'm doing. Actually, I said, have you been listening to my sermons? So uh, he looked at my notes. Or I, I, I tease him because uh, he's like me. He has nothing original. He does not have an original thought. Usually... It's uh, from some other pastor. No pastor has an original thought. If, if, you, if you ever think that you come in here and you're like, Wow, Lee, that was awesome. I stole it from somebody. Because there's nothing original up, up here. 
you, you guys know, you know, uh, you, you've heard of a BA, what is that? BASF, right? The company BASF. If you haven't looked them up, what, they're, they're a company that doesn't invent anything. It's, their, their, their motto is, we make things better. All right? That, that's my motto. Is like, I, I look at, I'm, I'm BASF. I take other people's stuff and I reuse it and just polish it up maybe a little bit. Sometimes I put, I put some dirt on it and I know that. But uh, understand that uh, that's, that's how things go. That had nothing to do with what we're talking about. It, it's a German company. Hey, I'm from, I'm, I got German blood in me. There we go. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Now, just, just think about this. And, and, and for fun, for fun, don't do this right now. Pay attention up here. But do this on your own. Flip back through it and read what I was talking about uh, a little bit ago, about how jacked up this church is, what was going on, the instructions in which uh, Paul was given. He was given instructions about uh, um, how to take the Lord's Supper and, and about um, how, uh, how to, to uh, exercise spiritual gifts and all that good stuff, how to love one another, prophesying, praying in tongues, all this stuff. Orderly worship. That was, that's the prickly right before. But he says all this, and he gets here, and he says, now I would remind you, brothers. Now when he's saying brothers, he's saying brothers and sisters in Christ. I would remind you, church, of the gospel. This is why it's so vitally, vitally important for us not to move past the gospel. When we talk about the gospel, we've put it into a nice sentence. We cannot remember it. The good news of God's redemptive plan for sinful humanity. Understand that, 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 that definition is exercised or has been exercised in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. All that Jesus did. So what we have to understand is we can't move past the gospel as if well, I repented, I believed in the gospel, so now what do I do? It doesn't work that way. It's repenting continually. It's believing in the, the gospel continually. Because what happens is if we think that we move past the gospel, we have a tendency to forget the gospel. And if we forget the gospel, we end up like the children of Israel and we just start becoming rebellious because of our sin nature. What happens is we just want to do what we want to do. I, I, I talk to people all the time about this. I, I, I look at them and I say, uh, you're doing what you want to do, right? Yeah, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, but you're doing what you want to do, right? Well, yeah. You know what that's called? It's called selfishness. You're forgetting the gospel. You're forgetting what Christ has done. Yeah, but it's so hard. Yes, it is hard. But it's understanding that, that what Christ has done has not only just uh, uh, um, uh, resurrected from the dead, as if that's you know, not a big thing. He has overcome whatever sin that you have in your life. If we trust in Him, if we put our faith in Him, if we say, okay, God, you've got this. So here, when Paul is saying it, he says, uh, Now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel which I preached to you, uh, which you received, in which you stand. So he's talking about this progression. It's like, you're not going past it. The gospel is coming with you, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. What is he saying there? He's saying that there's going to be people that, that, that have believed it. Some will believe it, and, and yes, they truly believe it, and then they do try to move past it, and their lives are, are, are getting all, all, all chanky because of their, their idea of selfishness. But then there's also those who have heard it but did not respond to it, and they did, they, they, yeah, I believe that, and 
You know, I, I, how, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you have had that conversation with that person that, well, I grew up in church, I heard, heard all that stuff. I don't need any of that. Well, they, they didn't believe in the gospel and trust in who Christ is. That's what believing in vain is. Let's move on. Verse 3. In verse 3, Paul explains what that gospel is. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So just... If you want to do a study on that, look at your footnotes or, or the references there. See where it talks about, in the Old Testament, this all happening. And understand that, that uh, um, the prophecy uh, 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 that Jesus fulfilled in his, um, his death, His burial, His resurrection, was prophesied hundreds and thousands of years before it took place. Here Paul is saying, I, I have something of first importance. Now, when you think of first importance, don't think of um, a, a linear uh, uh, um, progression like one, two, three, four. Because when we think of uh, um, a list that way, or maybe you'd one, two, three, four, whatever, when you think of a list, you think, oh, the most important thing's at the top. Well, what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to check off lists. How many of are my list people in here? We got some list people, right? And what we have a tendency to do is we have the tendency to check off the list. Not saying you do, but this is a human tendency. Like, okay, all right, I got this one done. Let me move to the next. We can't look at first importance as the top of the list. We have to look at it as in the center. Paul is saying this is the center, the central part of it all. Everything has to revolve around this. For I delivered to you of first, important, what, uh, first importance what I also received. Paul received the message straight, directly, however you want to look at it, from Christ. Paul came face to face on the road to, the, to Damascus with the risen Savior. It says here that he received what he received, that Christ died for our sins. He was buried, that he was raised, all in accordance with the Scripture. When we were, Scott and I were talking, he, he's like, yeah, I, I call that the, the DBR, death, burial, and resurrection. I was like, I like it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to steal it. I'm not going to give you credit for it, but I'm going to steal it. So uh, if, you, if you guys see him in a hey, you know, Pastor Lee came up with a real cool uh, little thing. He's a DBR, death, burial, resurrection. I just want to see the look on his face. That'd be awesome. Uh, he, he'll be here in, in about a month and a half. We're, we're doing a little thing where he's coming in. We're having a Q&A on May 23rd. Him and I are going to sit down. We did it a couple years ago, I think it was. Yeah, because we didn't do anything last year, right? <laughs> it was... COVID. Um, but he's going to come in here and we'll, it'll be a good time to, to, to pick on him. I mean, love on him. Love on him. Love on him. Love on him. Uh, but here, what, what Paul is explaining, he is explaining the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And what he also is explaining it, it, as he goes on here is the physical, bodily resurrection of Christ. Now, I want to make sure we stress that because there are those that you will encounter that will say, oh yeah, I believe that Jesus rose. But it wasn't really his body. It was just his spirit. Well, there is a, a huge uh, religion out there that believe just that. Uh, I just got a letter from them in the mail, which is kind of odd, from the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
Now they're not doing door-to-door knocking, they're sending mail. So I have it sitting on my desk, I'm going to write this young man back and explain why he is wrong in love, truth in love, right? But, but no, because they believe that Jesus just rose, his spirit rose. No, the Bible is very clear. Jesus himself says it. Does flesh and blood, is he able to eat? He, it, it, and I know for time we can't go there, but there's a, there, there's, a, there's a moment where Jesus eats fish, and he says, you know, nom, 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 nom. and it's not like Casper the Friendly Ghost where it goes in and goes poof, all the way down to the ground. No, he actually he eats it. Uh, so it, we have to understand that Jesus physically rose from the dead. And he goes on, and in verse 5, he says, He appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and to the twelve, so that's the rest of the disciples. It says this, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. What is Paul saying here? Paul is telling this church, if you don't believe in the risen Christ, there are plenty of witnesses to his resurrection. Go talk to him. Go talk to him. And he goes on. Then he appeared to James and to all of the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. This is Paul. That's that road to Damascus moment. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I love this because this is where the gospel really just, I think, grinds in. Paul was killing Christians and Jesus saved him. Jesus met him where he was at, even though he was persecuting the church. Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? We have to understand that there's no, no, no place in which we can go, no, no sin in which we commit, can commit that God cannot forgive. Now that doesn't give us the license to go sin. What that does is that give us, gives us the hope that if we do, or because of our past, and, and I, too often people say, are, are, are trying to identify themselves from their past. What we have to understand is God can forgive. He will forgive. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purge us from all unrighteousness. Here Paul is saying, hey, I'm not worthy, but verse 10, by the grace of God I am what I am. That's not Popeye. Some will get And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And I love verse 11. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Paul is saying believing in the gospel is the key. It doesn't matter who preaches it or how they package it. The truth of the gospel does not change. It doesn't matter if I'm preaching it, if Scott's preaching it, if Brother Rich is preaching it. It doesn't matter if the gospel is preached from what the, how the Bible has described it and communicated it. The gospel never changes. But it's not just, it, it, it's not so, oh, I like this preacher better than the other. That's fine. I, 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 I love that you like me, right? But it's under, I'm, I'm a likable guy. I get that. I, I, I mean, I got a, the fan club. I mean, I get fan mail all the time. And it's usually addressed to other people. But I know it's supposed to be to me, right? Uh, it's, <laughs> we get mail here from like pastors that have been gone for like years. Um, whatever. But it's not about the pastor who preaches. It's about the message that is preached. The gospel goes out so that belief can happen. Just remember what Jesus said back in Mark. Repent and believe in the gospel. Paul here is saying, we preached so you could believe. 
it, it, this is all this this is my mo. I don't get up here so I can have a good time and we can laugh and joke, which is fine. I like that, but it's so that I'm going to preach so you can believe, not believe in Lee, believe in the truth of the gospel. That's what we have to remember on a day like this when we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. The power of God to, to raise Him from the dead is the power of God to forgive you of your sins so that you can one day be raised to a newness of life that, that, that transcends any life here. Can we experience that now? Absolutely. We can experience the transformative power of, of Christ, the Spirit of God in us now. Because if we give our life to Him, He comes to dwell in us. The Bible is very clear about that. But there's one day that we will spend with Him that, that we can't even imagine. Some people are like, oh, I know the streets of gold and everything. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. But that pales in comparison to what it truly is going to be like. I mean, how many in here have, you, you have an ailment right now? Like you, you, you're, <laughs> your back, back hurts, your leg hurts. You're... How, you don't have to give up. Yeah, it's always something, right? But just, just think about being in eternity with Christ. No more pain. No more suffering. No more tears. Just, just think about that. Some of us I mean, have been dealing with pain for a long time. We're like, I don't remember a time not being in pain. Well, there's going to be, if we put our, our, our faith in Christ, and this is not why we want it. This is just a benefit of being in, in heaven. But there'll be a time we don't have to, to deal with that anymore. What Paul is saying here, and he, he is being very clear about the power of God in the resurrection, that it was witnessed by many. There's a lot of people that, 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 that uh, when they witness uh, the resurrection of Christ, um, their lives were changed. We know about uh, doubting Thomas. And, and uh, you know there, there are stories like that. But there are over 500 people saw him at one time. It's hard to get 50 people to agree on something, let alone 500. So when we look at that, we, see, we can see the power. i got to move on for sake of time. I was trying to get out of here in 30 minutes, but man, I'm sorry. I'm glad I didn't give you that promise. That's the difference between me and God, right? God fulfills His promises. I tend to not. Um, look, let's look at verse 50, because I, I, I do want to get into 50 through 58. <clears throat> This is God's promise. So remember, he, he just told us about the, 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 the resurrection, the, the power here of God. Verse 50, So I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot enter, or I'm sorry, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this imperishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Now stop here for a second, because what Paul is saying is, when Christ comes... If we have already uh, um, died, if we have already uh, um, uh, you know, left this life, um, what, we, what we have to understand is, is that this mortal body will be raised, but it, then it will be transformed into an imperishable. Because some people might say, you know, and this is, this is important. Do we realize, so Jesus physically rose from the dead, you will 
physically rise from the dead and physically spend eternity somewhere. my, my, My prayer is that everybody in the sound of my voice physically spends eternity in heaven with Jesus in the kingdom of God. And this is what he's saying, that all is going to die, and everyone, there is a problem, like Phil Robertson says, you ain't going to get out of this alive. Everyone dies, but the resurrection that takes place. This is what he's saying here, that the the perishable has to be put off, the imperishable, the mortal has to be put off, the immortal body has to be put on. 54, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, Then shall come to pass the saying that is written. I love this. Because when we put on our glorified bodies, when we have no pain, no suffering, no anything, look what he says. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? This is the difference. Like You can read through Scripture, and there are are stories, even uh, not too far before Jesus was uh, crucified, he he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, Lazarus, come out. And and Lazarus came out of of the tomb. But what we have to understand is, is when we look at stories like that, and we see these accounts, we're like, well, so Jesus wasn't the first one to, to resurrect from the dead? Jesus was the first one to be resurrected, never to die again. Lazarus died again. Just as, like we sang in that song, uh, the, the man who was thrown on the, bodies, or the bones of Elisha, that guy died again. What we have to understand here is that when we put on the imperishable body, the only way in which we are not going to die again, the second death, that's how the Bible calls it, if we're not going to die again, is being in the kingdom of God. And this is what he's saying, oh, death, where is your, uh, or, or, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Look at 56. It says, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ? Because of his resurrection. God promises us to be raised from the dead. God promises us to have life eternal. Don't turn there, I'll read it to you real quick. But in that story of Lazarus and him being called out of the tomb, uh, Jesus has an interaction with one of his sisters and he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now it doesn't stop there, I love this. just, Just think it, just think about this. Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. What is he saying? It is me. You believe in me. You trust in me. You put your hope in me. I am the only one that can pay your sin debt. If you do that, even though you die, you'll live. And then he says the, the, these few words to, to, to Lazarus' sister here. He says, do you believe this? That's, that's the question to us. Do you believe this? At home here, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? How can we believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Because He raised from, was risen from the dead. Because we're saying He is risen. He's risen indeed, right. Because of the resurrection of Christ, what we can stand firm on is the promise of God for us to be raised one day to be with Him. So not only do we see God's uh, power, but we see God's promise. 
Uh, it's that whole uh, that old song. I know that I, I probably go there too often, but it's that victory in Jesus. I love that old song. It's that that, that, that that victory in Jesus. We have victory in Jesus. It's not some pie in the sky dream because I will guarantee everyone this. I'm not trying to be morbid or anything like it. Y'all are going to die. We we all are going to die. We're not going to escape it. But the question is, what's going to happen after we die? I had that conversation with a young man in the hot tub this, this uh, past week. I, I tend to run into uh, people there. I mean, but it's, it's an awesome time because they're, they're, they're there. And I said, he was, ah, he's like, I don't know, young kid, 19, 18, 19 years old. Supposedly he's going to be here in the second service. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, so I have to change my story. But anyways, uh, he, he was talking about, like, ah, I ain't afraid to die, ah, whatever. I'm like, oh, that's good. Why is that? I just don't, I don't, I'm not worried about that. I was like, what do you believe happens after you die? I don't know, you just, it's all over. Now, mind you, he had a, a chain around his neck with a cross on it, and he had a tattoo on, on his chest that was a cross. And I said, well, what, 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 what's with the crosses and stuff like that? I, I mean, he has no idea that I'm the pastor here. I just said, hey, you want to go to church with me on Sunday? So it's, if he comes, he'll be a uh, surprise. But, um, hey, surprise, but... Uh, but he had really, yeah, Jesus died for our sins. But he, he, didn't, he didn't grasp the, the reality of the resurrection. What we have to understand is that the promise of God that we can have eternal life with Him and that we can live out John 3.16 is by putting our faith and our trust in Him and in His resurrection. Because if we don't, like Brother Kurt said, as he's reading the Apostle Paul, we, we're, we should be pitied. We should be, we're, we're foolish in what we do. Let me, let me wrap it all up in this, and we're done. And I will be done early. Look at that. My concluding statement is this. The kingdom of God displays, it displays God's power and God's promise through Christ's resurrection. So think about this, the kingdom of God, the, the rule of God. It displays God's power, obviously, the kingly rule. It displays God's power and God's promise through the, the resurrection of Christ or through Christ's resurrection. When we look at the resurrection, we got to have this kingdom mindset. It is all about God's kingdom and what he is doing, what he will do at that last trump. I love it. That last trumpet will sound. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we'll be caught up with Him in the air. And then we'll be with Him for eternity. Man, I want to I, I see us all there. Jam-packed the, the, the pearly gates like New Jersey Turnpike at rush hour, right? Jam-packed those pearly gates. Why? Because you repent and believe in the Gospel. Let's pray. Before I pray, just, just one thing. It, maybe you're online. Maybe you're sitting in here. Maybe you haven't repented, turned from that which you trust into trusting in the resurrection of Christ and what He has done. If that is you, it, it's as simple as uh, what the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that crying out to God, like, God, I want to trust you. I don't know everything, 
but I want to trust you for everything. For those of us who have uh, uh, put our trust, our faith in Christ, maybe today on Easter is a day in which we have to say, you know what, I need to do a better job of, of not moving past the gospel, but uh, letting the gospel control my life. Everything I do, from the way in which I love my spouse, to raise my kids, to work my job, to mow my grass, or to mow the pastor's grass, or whatever. God, whatever it is that we do it for the glory of, of God. Because like Paul says, I am how I am. I am who I am because of the grace of God. Yeah, I worked harder than anyone, but it's God's grace that gave me the ability to do that. So my prayer is for all of us that we just submit to God. We celebrate this day, this Resurrection Sunday. As we go to our, 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 our families and we eat our hams and we eat our yams and we eat our spams and everything else, God, I, I, I just pray that we, we just give all glory to God. All right, let me pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for tomorrow. We thank you for what it is that you've given us the hope for tomorrow. Lord, it is my prayer that we all, in the sound of my voice, that we all trust and we put our faith and we, put, and we have hope because of the resurrection of your Son. Lord Jesus, we thank you for suffering and dying on our behalf. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our, our, our lives. And God, we just want to just live for you. Father, we thank you. We love you. And we pray this all in Jesus' beautiful name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. We're going to end.